V1. Pull up. Pull up. Pull up. Terrain. Terrain. Pull up. Terrain. Welcome to the Flight Safety Detectives. Hosts John Golia and Greg Fife, two of the world's most respected aviation safety experts, talk all things related to aviation and aerospace. This podcast and the Flight Safety Detectives YouTube channel are brought to you by the Professional Aviation Maintenance Association, PAMA, and Avemco Insurance, a world-class provider of aviation insurance and your one-stop for all general aviation insurance needs. Get a customized quote at avemco.com or give them a call at 888-879-0389. Tell them you're a listener of the show and receive a 5% discount. Now it's time to buckle up because it's wheels up for the latest episode of Flight Safety Detectives. Well, hello, gentlemen. It is another episode of Flight Safety Detectives. It feels like forever since the three of us been together. So uh, it's always good to see you, Todd. And uh, I just saw John not too long ago, but uh, it does feel like forever since the three of us have had a conversation about what's going on in aviation and aviation safety. And we've got a couple things to talk about that, uh, yeah, it's been in the news and, you know, we're going to kind of rehash a little bit of it. But Again, there are, are lessons to be learned and, and points to be made um, because you have at least two, two groups, that is uh, the Red Bull pilots involving two pilots that were gonna try and do a midair swap between airplanes that were specially designed and constructed to, uh, to allow them to uh, get into a vertical dive. And then we have Trevor Jacobs, who is an independent operator uh, put himself in a position of jeopardy with the FAA. And so uh, I want to get into both of these because it's not so much the act as it is the responsibility of these pilots in committing an act that was in direct contrast uh, to the federal aviation regulations and, um, and, and what that means to general aviation as well as aviation as a whole. And, um, and I know that uh, we, uh, three of us, have looked at all of these issues. And, um, and I just shake my head because I look at it going, okay, even if the stunt that the Red Bull pilots um, pulled off and if it was successful, how does that really enhance aviation, period? It sure doesn't. I mean, that's not something that goes out and promotes, well, look at aviation. You can be a pilot and go out and do some, some, some stupid ass thing like this. Um, it was really about the internet. It was really about a business decision and trying to, uh, to really have personal gains, I believe, because the only one that were really going to benefit from this uh, through, you know, six million hits on the internet, through YouTube or whatever, was going to make somebody some money. So I just wanted to throw this one. Let's start with this Red Bull event um, and the fact that I, I've seen a number of polls that were taken on the internet, whether or not these guys um, should have had their certificates revoked versus just suspended versus nothing should have happened to them because nobody got hurt. Um, no harm, no foul, if you will. And uh, and so I'm wondering what you guys think. And I'll start with you, John, since uh, you are the elder statesman here. And, um, and I know that 
you, you've got some strong opinions, and then we're going to turn it to Todd because I know Todd's been on both sides of the fence on this one. Not that he's, uh, you know, tried to jump out of an airplane and switch airplanes in flight, but he's seen both, uh, you know, the regulatory side and, of course, the Internet side. So what do you think, John? Well, you know, it's, uh, there's no shortage of stupidity in this world today. And these guys bring it right to the forefront. But, you know, in the, in the world of automotive driving, if you do something really stupid, the state takes your driver's license away from you. So even though you have a, a and I see this in Florida all the time, you, you have one of them fancy sports cars and you run across uh, the interstate that runs across Florida from Fort Lauderdale over to Fort Myers, that's the wide open spaces. And God help you if you don't pay attention, because I've had guys pass me going so fast that it was impossible to tell what the number plate state was. Never mind, read it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and that kind of high speed stupidity, stupidity will get your driver's license revocated. Right. What makes these guys think that they could go do something equally as stupid in an airplane, even after they've asked for permission to do it and expect no consequences? Yeah, when you, you, you bring up the point, and that is they had filed for an exemption with the FAA, so they at least began the protocol of asking for permission. <clears throat> Time marches on, the FAA doesn't work at the speed of sound or a lot of times at the, uh, at least on the timetable that the, uh, the requester wants them to work on. Now, I don't know all the contractual obligations that these guys had uh, committed to. It's obvious that uh, somebody pumped a lot of money into modifying these two airplanes so that they could go into a vertical descent and stay in that position while these guys jump out of the airplane and try and swap airplanes and then regain control of the airplane and land safely. Um, you know, that is time. That is a, a big expense. And of course, there had to be a contractual agreement because Red Bull was the sponsor of this. And, um, and so when you look at all of that, yeah, there are time constraints. There are economic constraints. There's time pressures and, and all sorts of things. Yet the FAA wasn't moving uh, fast enough for these guys, but it was obvious they committed. They had started advertising for it. They said, watch us, watch this, watch this, and, you know, tune in on a specific date. And the FAA is, you know, taking their time to evaluate, okay, what is this going to do? What does this mean? And should we grant this exemption? And it was obvious in their denial letter, which the Red Bull team did get the day before, um, saying, we don't agree, we're not going to allow you to, to, uh, to be exempted. Uh, this is a stunt that uh, we don't think is in the public interest, and not just the public interest. We're talking about the safety of the public, because that is the basis for the FAA to make these decisions when you're requesting exemptions for doing things like this. Uh, whether it's an air race or a stunt like this or something else, they have to look at the public safety. And I don't care if this airplane is sitting out in the desert and it's going to crash in the desert and nobody's around for a hundred miles. Um, or, you know, the, the pilot who jumps out, maybe his chute doesn't work. you got a problem with the reserve chute or he gets hung up. He hits the airplane, trying to get into the airplane. He knocks himself unconscious. There are a lot of safety issues involved with these kinds of stunts. And I don't 
care how how well planned, pre-planned, how you know well versed you are, you know something can go wrong. And the FAA has to look at all of these dynamics in making that decision. They don't just arbitrarily go to hell with you. We're not going to do this. We're not going to let you do this. And, not, and Todd, you've been on um, Todd, you've been on both sides of it. You see, you know, okay, they're well, going to do it for internet hits and and whatever. But there's also a regulatory side to this. And it's not a question of the FAA not wanting this to happen. Uh, they have nothing against having stunt flying and, and parachute stunts. In fact, prior to this event, they actually did this successfully with a safety pilot in each airplane. Yeah. Visually, it was just as stunning as if there was no one in there. But uh, they thought that, hey, we needed to do this because this is what the show's about. I fault them for a few things. Not for getting hits. I'm all for getting hits because, as many of you know, I've been on the internet almost 25 years now in one form or another, actually over 25 years, one form or another. I'm not above doing things that are slightly in the gray area in order to get traffic. But I'm not going to violate any regulations. I'm not going to violate intellectual property. I'm not going to do something that will jeopardize me, in this case, being on someone's television show more than once. Now, all three of us happen to have been on many television shows over the years, some of them, at least one, uh, one uh, production house, we've been on multiple shows of theirs. Now, if we did something egregious, something that throws a monkey wrench into the production, the first time we did it, we wouldn't have been invited back for a second time. So there are several things where I am faulting this crew. One, not having a plan in place for dealing with if the FAA says no. Some years ago, there was a made-for-television stunt where a 727 would be remotely crashed into the desert to do whatever, get hits, et cetera. And the FAA said no. They took it down to Mexico. They had the show. Now, was it in the public's interest? Hey, you know, I looked at it. I learned something about plane crashes, even though this was, uh, you know, a stunt in essence. But they did it the right way. These folks could have gone to any number of countries where this thing would have been allowed, Mexico being possibly one of them, Middle East, what have you. I fault them for not having a plan in place. When you are gonna involve not just yourself, but several other groups, there are the technicians and engineers who help design these aircraft to have special capabilities. It's a production crew who are out there shooting it. It's the production house that put their money on the line to get things lined up. It was Hulu where this was broadcast. All these people had something to gain if it was successful. They all had something to lose if their reputations were sullied. This sullied their reputations. Yeah, well, when you get your certificates revoked, uh, you know, the FAA doesn't take this lightly, especially when you basically thumb your nose at them after they told you not only no, but hell no, you're not doing it. And these guys went out and did it anyway. And it's not like, well, you know, we'll go do it and then we'll ask for forgiveness. <clears throat> Guess what? There was no forgiveness here. The FAA said, yeah, here's your forgiveness. Give us your certificates. And so, um, you know, you, they paid the ultimate price. But when I look at it, I, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that's entertainment. I mean, that's purely what this was for was entertainment. You know, how is it going to really promote aviation and aviation safety? I always look at those kinds of things. I look at 
okay, how are people going to benefit? How are the new, you know, maybe some young people who watch this, I can't believe they're going to go, man, if I go out and be a pilot, I can do that too. I, I just, I don't understand that. I understand the entertainment value and we all appreciate a good air show. And a lot of our friends are air show pilots that we go out and see every day. Um, and, and they do magical things with aircraft of all types. But I, I didn't see this. I wasn't even interested in this because it didn't pique my interest for the very fact that who cares? I, I took the edit. I don't really care. I don't care if it's Red Bull. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care how successful they may be. It didn't do anything to phase me to make me want to watch, especially, uh, you know, if it costs money. It just wasn't there. But, you know, for these two guys to put, like you said, their reputation and now their certificates on the line, um, you know, I mean, for what? You know, for a failed mission, for, you know, a few hits and some publicity and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, it just, it, and this is going to follow them. I don't care if they get their certificates back at some point later on um, and, and fly again. But you know what? I'll always think of them as the idiots. Why? Because those two guys were told you don't have an exemption, you can't do it. If you want to go do it somewhere else, like you said, Todd, take it to Mexico. Okay, great. Have at it. I'm still you know, not going to watch it, but we didn't know, even just, mention the threat that they did to the state of California. You know, general aviation airplanes catch fire as often as not in accidents. And California has been dry for a long time. You know, yeah. it said in the reports they were over the national forest. I mean, we they could have started a good a, a forest fire and destroyed a huge amount of uh, a vegetarian vegetation. And uh, that's money. Trees are money. Yeah. And uh, just their thinking is is way out there. But yeah. it, but it's not unusual today. Look at the the TV program uh, Jackass. Yeah. And what <laughs> and and some of the real stupid stunts that those guys do. I mean, really, we we raising a generation of of well people who think sense. different. In aviation, I, we have a I know where you were going, John. I know, too. I had to hold my tongue on that one. Now, let, let's veer slightly into something we can not hold our tongues. We do have a generation of people who are actively engaged in using the tools of the internet to promote aviation in the right way. There have yeah. been more than a few times when I wanted to learn something about some technique, uh, some regulation or whatnot. I do a search on YouTube or whatever, and somebody has something. And sometimes it's like beautifully done, better than anything I've seen in you know, the more commercial operators. And there are thousands, probably tens of thousands of these out there, any subject you can, you can think of. Uh, and that's a good thing. Now, when these people are doing this, no matter who you are, if you want to mount a GoPro camera in your aircraft to do your first solo and put that online, great, do that. But think about it. Are you doing something to put yourself online that's putting yourself at risk? For example, you on the slide without telling the operator or the flight school, you're going to just put the GoPro in the, in, the, in the airplane and take the picture. Be sensible. Tell your flight instructor, tell the people you're running it from, hey, I want to mount my GoPro on the, on the plane here. Do you have any suggestions or is there a rule against me doing this? And if there is no rule, can you give me some heads up on how to do it safely? I don't want to put the kibosh on your front on your fun because, like I said before, I've done a lot of creative things online. Yeah. Usually, but fight separate again, uh, that's that's a little different. That's a controlled circumstance. That's not for 
I mean, it may be for public viewing, but it's not for personal gain and, and putting yourself out there in a high risk position. You're a pilot. Okay. Now, the, you know, I mean, I'm working an accident right now with a flight instructor and a uh, student on a discovery flight where they had the GoPro running. They had an engine problem. They lost the airplane and it, that GoPro recorded it all the way to the ground. For my purposes, that helps me in the job that I have to do to investigate that accident and determine why a flight instructor allowed a situation to get out of control to the point where the airplane became uncontrollable and they ended up crashing. But when we're talking about this kind of act, and, and again, there was another guy, Trevor Jacobs, and, and I'll let you introduce that, Todd. You know, what did this guy do? Well, Trevor Jacobs was more of a classic person using the internet person using YouTube to get hits, get likes, what have you. He came up with a plan, apparently all by himself, to uh, have photographs, have a video, multiple videos of a plane crashing and him jumping out of it. And it was, uh, let's just say that he's no Hollywood actor. It was pretty plain, even from the first viewing, that this so-called accident, where he apparently had his engine failed in flight, didn't seem accidental at all. He did several things that made it pretty obvious that this was staged, one of which there's a camera already mounted on the wing looking inboard. Second of which, yeah. he's wearing a parachute to take you know, a routine flight over the National Forest. Three, he like cracks open his door and looks out before he says, oh, my engine just failed. And when he jumps out, this is what got me. When he jumps out of the airplane, apparently to save his life, he had a selfie stick with another video taking himself going down. I'm saying to myself, okay, this is all fun and games until the plane crashes in a national forest where it could have started a forest fire, again, California, again, try, dry as all get out. Now, fast forward a little bit. Apparently he or someone working with him removed the wreckage from the national forest before it could be investigated. So yeah. there was like planning way ahead for this. And for what? To get YouTube views? Yeah, uh, and that's, that's the issue. And, and how many more of these stunts are gonna be orchestrated out there? Uh, and again, he, he too had his uh, certificate revoked by the FAA. And again, it's poor judgment. The FAA is looking at poor judgment. And that's one of the things that as all pilots go through any certificate and rating when you go for a check ride, that's what the FAA evaluates, decision-making and judgment. And these guys have exercised not only poor judgment, but a total lack of judgment. Now, um, I don't care how to... safe they think it was. They, I don't care how many times they practiced it. It was just a lack of judgment under those circumstances. I'm not justifying what Trevor Jacobs did. I am trying to understand where he was coming from. Now, it turns out he was, I believe, an Olympic snowboarder. So he has been involved in his past in adventure sports, risky adventure sports, probably did a few things, you know, outside of the margins in, the, in those worlds. That's great. You know, there's a place in society for people who want to do adventure sports, jumping out of airplanes, skydiving, rappelling, rock climbing, what have you. But you have to realize, if you're involved in aviation, you have to realize that although there is room for creativity, there's room for risk, that risk has to be tempered by the fact that you're working with other people. The fact that you, when you fly in and out of an airport, there are specific rules of the road, so to speak, to keep people from hurting each other on the ground or in the air. When you're in the air flying, the rules still apply. So Look, just every time you think you can get away with it, just because you do get away with it, doesn't Look, make it Every right. time we get near an airplane and we fly it, 
there's always risk involved. We try to mitigate that risk to as close to zero as possible. And yeah, I know to the adrenaline junkies and yeah, I've done a bunch of things that, yeah, I, I did stuff in airplanes that, yeah, it was, it was an adrenaline pump. Um, but again, here, I mean, this is a level of defiance against the regulations, especially with the Red Bull team where it's like, yeah, they told me I can't do it, but I'm going to do it anyway and then ask for forgiveness. And it just doesn't work that way because if we start, we start allowing those kinds of exemptions from, you know, a denial, then all of a sudden people are going to go, well, yeah, he got away with it. And they just slapped his hand and told him not to do it again. So I guess I can go up there and do something ridiculous. And even if they tell me I can't do it, they're not really going to take any action. I mean, these are the things that have to be set. I mean, we have got to rein this in. I, I'm, I'm tired of working accidents. Uh, I was just on the road for this last week, uh, working three accidents in various parts of New York and Pennsylvania. And again, I, I'm, it's getting old. Uh, I don't know why we have this entitlement attitude. I don't know why we have pilots that are going off and trying to do things that either um, aren't in, uh, in compliance with the regulations, but aren't in compliance with their own skills, abilities, and knowledge, and, and their own personal limitations. They're taking airplanes and trying to do things that they have no business doing. And unfortunately, I end up working these accidents because of that. Uh, we've seen that now um, with, with a variety of different types of accidents. And as I've talked about on this show before, um, the, the number of accidents with flight instructors keeps going up and I don't understand that. Um, you got a flight instructor, he's the one or she's the one that's skilled. They, you know, they're in the process and, and trying to mentor other pilots, provide them a level of knowledge so that they too can become pilots and enjoy this thing we call flying. But now all of a sudden these students are getting airplanes in a position of jeopardy um, that even it, I mean, and again, as a flight instructor, you see, I mean, it's a benign issue, but because either the flight instructor hasn't been plugged in, they don't take control, they don't do whatever it takes to remedy the situation properly, uh, they're losing control of these airplanes at low altitude and ended up, uh, you know, becoming fatal accidents. And it's just, it, all of this, we're, we're all, all about risk mitigation and risk management. That is the whole premise of aviation these days. And, and I understand, yes, you can go out and, and do what these Red Bull guys did. And like you said, Todd, yeah, they practiced it a number of times and it worked and it was great and everything else. But the fact is, is that they were in defiance of the FAA. And that's the attitude that got them in trouble. It wasn't so much the act itself. It was the fact that they basically snubbed their nose at the FAA and said, to hell with you, I'll do it anyway. And uh, the FAA said, yeah, you can do that, but you know what? We're going to take action and you aren't going to do it anymore anytime soon. You know, we see a lot of stunt flying, air shows and the rest with all kinds of precautions taken. Uh, what ifs have played out. Uh, there was none of that for this. I mean, they, they set up the cameras, but if they had put a process in place, that talked about all the what ifs and what they how they were going to mitigate those what ifs. The FAA may have approved it, but just to go to the FAA and say we want to do this this stunt, whatever the stunt happens to be, yeah. and without identifying the risk and what you've done to mitigate those risks, the FAA is is guaranteed going to turn it down. Yeah, I'd like to see what they submitted to the FAA 
um, just to see how comprehensive, like you said, John, if they said, hey, we got these airplanes, they're specially designed, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do that, we've already practiced it, it's easy, you know, give us this exemption versus, okay, like, here it is, start to finish, here's, here is our initial plan, and then if, if there is a safety contingent that we have to employ, here are the safety contingents besides a parachute. Because if one guy comes rolling into the side of that airplane a little too fast and he whacks the side of the aircraft trying to get into it or he gets his parachute hung up or a variety of different things, what is plan B? What is plan C to not hurt yourself or anybody on the ground in trying to execute this stunt? Yeah, I would be interested to see all of those safety things that uh, they may or may not have uh, factored into their letter to the FAA asking for permission to do these kinds of things. So, and, I mean, and before we, we leave this subject, I'd like yeah. to say that we've been talking about the FAA, the FAA, the FAA. Yes, the FAA has an outsized uh, influence on how aviation is done around the world, but they don't have control outside of the US. So for those of us, uh, those of you in the global audience, just because you might be able to do it in where you're living because the FAA, their version of the FAA isn't as strict, doesn't mean that you're immune to the laws of gravity, physics, human yeah. uh, limitations, et cetera. Yep, nope, I agree. And, uh, and again, um, it is all about risk management. Okay, do things for my entertainment and other entertainment, that's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna you know, totally uh, condone any of that, but I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, to also rebuke it as well. But um, as a safety guy, I'm always looking at those things. And, and if I go out there and, and uh, violate uh, federal aviation regulation, you can best bet that I'm gonna get a letter of investigation from the FAA asking why I did what I did. And if it doesn't satisfy them, guess what? My certificate's either going to be suspended or revoked for doing something stupid. So, and one you know, last point one, on social another, media in general: there's a lot of things you we, can do one time only to get all kinds of traffic. However, if you want to have staying power, you don't want to do it one time only. You want to put yourself in a position where you can do this again and again and again. And if you're doing anything in the flying business, and you get your certificate revoked you might not have more than one chance and it's not worth it. Yeah. You know, one thing that we didn't mention at all is all those cameras that they had mounted. Right. You know, th there are provisions to put go cam GoPro cameras on airplanes, but they got these mounted out on the wing and multiples. Right? Did, did a mechanic do that? Was there some sort of a engineering approval? An STC, was it required? I don't know how many they had and where they placed them, right? But those are questions that need to be asked and answered. You know, there may be other people involved with this fiasco that, that are probably sitting back now wondering if they're going to get a, a, a letter in the mail for a violation. So it's, uh, yeah. the consequences can reach far and wide on something like this. Yeah, these are the complexities. And again, we get to dissect them and see them because that's what we do every single day. Uh, even for, uh, uh, you know, a lot of pilots out there who watch those kinds of things, they aren't thinking the way we are thinking. And, and of course, you know, they go, well, hell, if he can do it, maybe I can do the same thing or I can go put cameras all over my airplane. And there are a lot of GoPro cameras. I've got the mounts, the external mounts. 
uh, for putting GoPro cameras outside the airplane. But again, I'm consulting with people that are smarter than me, especially when it comes to mechanics. Okay, is this a place I can mount the air, uh, the camera? Is this the proper way to mount the, the camera? And do I jeopardize safety if I mount the cameras in certain positions and locations and, and that kind of thing? So, um, you know, there are a lot of things to talk about, but in this, I don't have a problem with the action the FAA took because I think it sends a very strong message that, hey, look, uh, you can't be in defiance of us. There's a there, the, the regulations are in place for all of us, not only the people that fly it, fix it, or manage it, but also to protect people on the ground. That is called the public. And they have to factor all of those things in. They don't just arbitrarily you know, go, okay, well, is it a hazard to the pilot or not? They're looking at the global perspective and, you know, is it in the public's best interest? And those are the words that they use and people have to understand that. And, uh, and I know that people go, wow, that was too stringent a, a penalty. Guess what? It sends a very strong message. So, well, I know that uh, we've, uh, we've used up our time in talking about these two events, but again, I think that, you know, because they are timely, they are in the news, um, and, and we have to look at some of the backstories here because people only see the front story. And I know there have been a lot of articles written and, you know, a lot of people, you know, for and against the kind of penalty the FAA levied. But again, if you're going to at least argue the point, you got to study the FAA's perspective in this particular example. You can't just go, ah, they're the feds. They're going to always do that. You can't do that. You really have to understand what it is that they are using as a basis for either you know, uh, agreeing to something or denying something. And I think it's in your best interest as an aviator um, to, to learn that because, I mean, I'm in a business as well as uh, Todd and John with regard to when I look at a regulation and I look at whether or not an airplane is airworthy or not, does it meet the standards of airworthiness? And the question is, what standard is airworthiness? What, what is the definition of airworthiness? And while there is a definition, um, do these airplanes meet that? Do the pilots who fly them meet and understand what airworthiness is? And airworthiness is a little different for a pilot than it is for a mechanic and an operator and the rules and, and th those kinds of things. So it, it, it's a great study tool for all of us go in and do a little bit of research and learn everything or learn a little bit more because that's what it's all about is every day learning something new. So uh, with that, gentlemen, I know, Todd, uh, you're always itching to, uh, to at least say some of the last words, but I save that for our elder statesmen. So uh, in signing off, any words, any pearls of wisdom for our audience? All right, it's to you. Oh, well, pearls of wisdom. Since you're on my favorite subject today, the internet, the internet's not going anywhere. Aviation's not going anywhere. It's up to all of us who want to have a relationship between those two to look at it as a relationship. Don't do anything on the first date that'll make a long-term marriage impossible for you. <laughs> I've never heard it described like that, but I like that. It came to me as I was speaking. <laughs> Those are the, see, I know I can always turn to you and get some good pearls there. So, And my friend, um, as I always do for our show, we leave you 
with our last words. And this week, I have a couple of words. All right, the first one is, Greg, you mentioned uh, the rising number of accidents with a flight instructor on board the airplane. You know, the airplane is being rented. Do we have renter's insurance to protect the student pilot? Right, please consider getting a, a, a renter insurance policy. They're not that expensive and they're going to protect your family. And yeah. the second half. And, and part of that, John, like you said, is, is also a, applicable to flight instructors because flight instructors aren't always covered. So um, there are specific insurance for both the renter pilot and the instructor. And, and the policies that I looked at, they're not that expensive. No, they aren't. They're very, very reasonable. Right. And the other piece that also popped out again is I talk about pre-flights, every single flight. So over the over the last year and a half, I have been talking about pre-flights. Right. In general aviation, if you're doing a pre-flight, get the mechanic that works on the airplane, a mechanic at the FBO, to walk you around and help you design your own pre-flight. 99% of our pilots are student pilots that become private pilots. They watch their flight instructors do a pre-flight and take it from there. Well, there's no guarantee that the flight instructor is doing the right pre-flight for that particular airplane. We all have our own traits. We call that in, in the hang, we call that OJT. Hmm. And, uh, and I provided OJT for a lot of years. And all I ever did was teach some of my bad habits to a bunch of new mechanics. And believe me, you have a lot of bad habits because I've been with you. <laughs> so if you're going, if you're going to, to uh, go flying, learn how to do a good pre-flight. And that includes commercial aviation pilots. Just this past week, I saw a little blurb that came in. A 787 flew from Australia to the West Coast of the United States with tape over all their static ports. I, 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 and they have pictures. They had pictures of it. Unbelievable. So it doesn't matter whether you're that student pilot or new GA pilot all right, or a, a commercial pilot. You've got to do a good pre-flight not rush it. If you get interrupted, start it over again. It's so damn important. And it's so, I wish we had better accident investigations because we may find out that that's maybe a, a larger player in the, the accidents that we have in general aviation than we realize. But well, we've in, got any, a, yeah. in any event, please, please do a good pre-flight. Again, if you need if you want to make sure you're doing it right, get a mechanic to do it with you that knows the airplanes, that type of airplane. We're going to follow that 787. I want to know how they flew all the way across the pond um, without having, I mean, with all those static ports, they had to have all sorts of, you know, bells and whistles going off, or at least, you know, AHARS issues and things like that in that airplane. I, I, I definitely want to follow that one. I want to know, yeah. because this is going to be a good case study for us to break down once we get all the information. Okay. And then the last word is please fly safely. 
to listen or watch more episodes of this show, go to FlightSafetyDetectives.com, the Flight Safety Detectives YouTube channel, or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. To contact John and Greg about the show, send them an email at FlightSafetyDetectives at gmail.com. And remember, for aviation insurance needs, contact Avemco Insurance at avemco.com or give them a call at 888-879-0389. Mention Flight Safety Detectives and receive a 5% discount. Thanks for listening to the Flight Safety Detectives and remember to always fly safe.